Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I was hoping somebody would give a ho, 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 ho. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, I just want to point out a couple of things before we get into our, um, our text for today. First, I want to welcome all the kids who are normally in Powerhouse. They're joining us today. Welcome, kids. Uh, we want to make this fun for you, and so if there's any big words that I say that you're like, I don't know what that guy's talking about, it's okay. You can ask me afterwards. I'll try to explain. Um, there's also uh, bingo, like they said, please interrupt me. This was my idea, so if, it, like, if it, you startle me by shouting bingo, I will be okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple other things. I, I'm so excited to share um, uh, that... Uh, this, this weekend, uh, yesterday, um, one of the pastors from the other churches that we're partnering with to support Turning Point this Christmas uh, took the 29 gifts that were given by people from FCC. They had a Christmas party. Uh, I'm going to share some photos of that in a couple of weeks and talk about um, what that means to um, people in that situation. Uh, and I'm just grateful for the way that um, our church has uh, been a blessing to people in our community who, who could use a blessing this time of year. So... Uh, thank you, for everyone who participated in that. All right, it is Christmas Eve, and uh, I want to stir up some controversy, so I'm going to do a quick poll, quick straw poll. Do you open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Raise your hand for Christmas Eve. Okay, I see a few, a few. Uh, Christmas Day? Whoa, that's more lopsided than I thought. I thought it would be a more even mix. Do you open presents in a particular order, or is it just a free-for-all? You just attack them. Raise your hand if you've got a particular order of how people open presents in your home. Raise your hand for free-for-all. Okay. All right. That's chaos. It's chaos. I don't approve. No, it's okay. Um, eggnog or no eggnog? Raise your hand for eggnog. Raise your hand if you want to dump it right in the trash. <laughs> Nobody has a lukewarm opinion on this. It's either love or hate. I don't even know if I like it because I'm kind of afraid to try it. It, looks, it does not look appealing. I'm not going to lie. not going to lie. All right, Christmas candy now. Do you prefer candy canes or chocolate? Raise your hand for candy canes. <laughs> Raise your hand for chocolate. All right. That's what I thought, too. Peppermint's gross. All right, now that I've divided us all amongst enemy lines here, uh, I, I love just this, the many Christmas traditions that, that people have. And, and everybody's got similar ones, but we all, you know, different families have different ones. Um, but we're here to celebrate Christmas, uh, and we're doing something that, that Christians have been doing essentially for about 1,900 years. That's about how far they trace back people uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus. And it's changed how we celebrate, even when we celebrate it. Um, but for, for about 1,900 years, Christians have been celebrating Christmas because they wanted to make sure we didn't lose the importance. This is a very important thing. Far beyond, you know, getting your picture with Santa at the mall or presents on Christmas morning or any of those things. They wanted us to be reminded of what we have, this amazing gift of Christmas. Why is it important? Well, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. That's the first time I said it, of three. <laughs> hint, hint. Uh, and in Hebrews, we've, uh, dang, I, that was too quick for the second one. Uh, <laughs> we've been going through this book so that we, um, 
we can understand what it is we receive at Christmas time. Because of Christmas, we can know what God is like. The author says if we want to know what God is like, we just look to Jesus. And that is good news because when we read about Jesus in the scriptures, man, it, it, is he, he, he draws you in. He welcomes. He wants to know you. It's, it, he's, he's amazing. And so that reminds us that God is a God of welcome. He is amazing. He draws close to us. Because of Christmas, we have this invitation into a promised land. That means we get to have eternal life in God's perfect presence forever and ever and ever. That's a gift that we receive because Jesus came that first Christmas. Because of Christmas, our relationship with God can be healed because Jesus is the perfect priest, which just means he stands between us and God and he offers us permanent forgiveness for our sins. Any bad thing we've ever done or thought or said doesn't separate us from God anymore because Jesus came at Christmas. Because of Christmas, we know how, just how much God loves us because, because he gave his own son, Jesus. Because he gave his life for us. But after he died, he was raised again from the dead. And so we too can have true and eternal life with him. You know that whole song that we sang, uh, uh, one of those Christmas carols that says, Hail the incarnate deity, which is just a fancy church way of saying, Praise God that he came near. Praise God that he became like us so that he could save us. That's what we receive at Christmas. Now, the author of the book of Hebrews is a pastor. What? <laughs> Go for it. Where's your, hey. Come on down. I'm doing the Price is Right voice. Just go right past me straight to Matt. Don't knock over the candles. I thought he was going to tackle me. I was like, where's security? All right, <laughs> first bingo. We got three more to go, three more bingos, okay? So you're not out of it yet. All right. <laughs> so the author of Hebrews is a, a pastor who just wants his or her people in the midst of all of the distractions of life, all of the times where you, you just feel like you want to give up because it's just too hard, all of the times where it seems something else that might be fun or fulfilling in the short term distracts us from what's most important in the long term. The pastor just wants their people to hold on. Don't give up. Keep growing your faith. Keep living by faith. And I think it's important this morning that as we talk about this big message of faith, because the whole book just has this one application, right? The, the, the whole point of, of Hebrews chapter 1 is the same point of Hebrews chapter 13. It's one long, uh, just... Plead with this congregation to just hold on to your faith. Continue on in your faith. So we should ask ourselves, if it's that important, what is faith? What is faith? Well, I love that in Hebrews 11, the author gives us a definition. We don't have to make one up. We don't have to look at context clues. In Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, this is what... The pastor says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for. And faith means knowing something is real, even if we do not see it. The author says, people who lived in the past became famous because of faith. I'll talk about that in a minute. But it's interesting because, you know, Jesus was a real person in a real time, in a real place, right? So there were people who watched him live his life and do ministry and heal people. There were people who saw him arrested, beaten, eventually killed, crucified. 
right? And then there were people who then also saw him after he rose again from the dead. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have seen, or you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believed who have not seen. That's us. We believe in something we can't see. We didn't witness it. There wasn't video back then, right? What do you think Jesus' TikTok would have been like? Lots of fishing. Um, <laughs> but I love this definition. Faith means being sure of things we hope for. It means knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. You know, this is the image that comes to mind right here. I remember teaching my kids how to swim. And I remember standing in the pool, arms like this, going, it's okay. I've got you. You can do this, right? Kendall, it took a little time. She's a little afraid of the water. Now she's the best swimmer I know. Kieran just went nuts and jumped right in because he's crazy. Um, but the thing that was happening there was this. When the first time they were jumping into that pool with their little floaties on, they know, I can't swim. I don't want my head to go underwater. I don't like that feeling. I don't want to be coughing up water. I can't do it. But what are they doing? They're saying, you can. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you enough that I will jump in. And so when we're talking about faith, it's the same picture. Do you believe, God is saying, do you believe that I'm strong enough to catch you, to hold you, and to keep you safe even amongst dangerous waters? Do you believe that I am strong enough? And do you believe that I love you enough that I won't let anything happen to you? And it's one thing for us to stand on the side of the pool and go, yep, I trust you. It's another thing to actually jump in, right? Faith isn't just about believing something's true. Faith is believing something is true so much that you will make decisions. You'll even take risks because you trust that God is strong enough to catch you. And he loves you enough that he doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. That's what faith is about. And then, as the, the author of Hebrews goes on to keep talking about what faith looks like, the author describes it as this, people cheering at the finish line. People cheering at the finish line. The, the author calls faith, living by faith, this race that we run. And it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And it's not about beating other people. It's about crossing that finish line. Just, just finishing. That's what faith is like. And so the, the author goes on to tell uh, about different people that you might have read about, like Noah, who, who trusted God, believed in God enough that he built a big old boat when everybody else thought he was crazy. Bingo. Right? Hey, bingo, let's go. Whoa. Who was the last one? Oh my gosh, we got too many bingos. Matt's going to just have you start giving people cash. <laughs> All right, I think we've reached our bingo quote quota. Feel free to keep shouting it out, but I think we're out of prizes. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Noah trusted God enough to do something that everyone thought was crazy, right? Abraham trusted God to do something that was literally impossible. Give him and his wife a child at a very old age, right? He talks about Moses, how Moses led the people 
He was brave enough to to lead them out of slavery in Egypt and then wander the desert for 40 years and put up with all the people's nonsense that took serious faith. And lastly, uh, you know, one of the other people that the author talks about is David, right? And we know David was the smallest of all his brothers, the least likely to be a king. And he's the one who fought Goliath and, and showed bravery, right? These people all lived by faith. And the author wants us to imagine that we're running a race And it's really hard. There's obstacles in the way. We're tired. We're feeling dehydrated. It just feels like we can't finish. And he wants us, or she wants us, the author wants us to look to the finish line and imagine Noah being there. And you're going, okay, if Noah could build that ark by himself when everyone thought he was crazy, I can keep going. If Abraham had enough faith to raise a toddler at age 100, I can keep going. We haven't had toddlers in our house in a long time, and I'm like, man, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm getting old. (laughs) Moses, if Moses could be brave enough to stand up to the most powerful person in the world at that time and speak on behalf of God, then I can keep going. If David had the bravery to fight a giant, I can keep going. And there's a song we sing around here that says, I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. And that's just the reality. That's just the the knowledge that we face these obstacles in life. But at the finish line, there are people, these Bible giants, sure, but also millions and millions of people who follow Jesus faithfully throughout the last 2,000 years that are cheering us on saying, we did it. You can do it too. Don't give up. Keep going. The thing about all these people we talked about, none of them were perfect. But you know who else is waiting for us? Well, let's take a look back at Hebrews 12 and see what else is going on here at this finish line. Talking about all these these heroes of our faith from the Bible, the, the author says, So we have many people of faith around us. Their lives tell us what faith means. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way, and we should remove the sin that so easily catches us. Then the author says this, let's look only to Jesus. He is the one who began our faith, and he makes our faith perfect. Jesus suffered death on the cross, but he accepted the shame of the cross as if it were nothing. He did this because the joy that God put before him. And now he is sitting at the right side of God's throne. So first, the author says this, don't let anything get in the way of you running your race. This is the the thing I pictured in my head. I pictured a person, instead of choosing a really good pair of running shoes to run their race, they picked clown shoes and flippers. It's not going to go very well. It's going to hurt more than it has to. You're going to be slower than you have to. You're going to want to give up a lot faster. And this is what it's like when we get distracted in our faith. It's like we're walking around in clown shoes trying to keep up. When we let the things that take our love and our attention away from Jesus, when we sin, which is anything that hurts God, that hurts others, hurts ourselves, when we're selfish and self-centered, this is what we're doing. We're making our race harder. We're not only wearing clown shoes, we're putting hurdles in front of us, and it isn't a hurdles race. They don't have to be there, right? 
We're making our lives harder than they have to be, and we're making it harder for us to finish this race that leads to the finish line where Jesus welcomes us. So the author says, get rid of all that stuff. Why are you making it harder on yourself? Why do you think that's going to help you in this life? It may seem appealing in the short term, but in this long race, it's going to do nothing but trip you up. Leave it behind. Cut it out, right? Then the author says this, look to Jesus. He's the one who began our faith. He makes our faith perfect. And he talks about how Jesus suffered death, but now is sitting at the right hand of God's throne. The author is telling us that Jesus did it perfectly. And he's at the finish line saying, don't quit. It's worth it to keep going. I know there are struggles in this race. I I know there are struggles, but don't give up. I'm with you. I know it feels like you're running with this giant weight on your shoulders. Jesus is saying this, remember, I once carried a giant weight on my shoulders, a cross that I could barely bear. And I can help you carry this burden that you have now. Jesus is saying, I know that there are things that are shiny and attractive and they, they, they promise that they're going to bring you happiness, but they don't. They're temporary and they're harmful to others. They're harmful to you. They're harmful to our relationship. He's saying, don't quit doing what's right. I promise you it's worth it. Jesus is saying, I know there is pain. I know this world can be so hard and there is so much to grieve. I know because I experienced all of it. I didn't have to, but I love you so much that I experienced rejection. I experienced losing friends. I experienced grief when people that I loved died. I experienced physical pain when they beat me up and when they nailed me to that cross. Keep going. You can do this. I'm here. I'm with you. The most beautiful thing that we can celebrate this Christmas is just that, that Jesus gave himself to us. Not just so that we could be fast-forwarded to the finish line. No, there's a, there's a long road ahead, right? But so that we could be empowered to keep running even when it feels really hard. And why did he do it? He did it because he loves us. That's what Pastor Ty told us last week. It all points, the whole, the whole thing in Hebrews just points us to the amazing love of God. Why would he go through all of this? Why would he do this? He must really, really love us. And he's cheering us on now. He's giving us his strength now. I I think of this image that he's at the the finish line cheering us on. And because he's Jesus, he can be wherever he wants at any time. And he's also running with us. This is the Holy Spirit. He's, He's given us his Holy Spirit to give us the strength to keep going even when it feels hard. So that's what we do. We keep going. Every time we're scared or we don't know if we can do it or not, we're like that toddler standing on the side of a pool. Maybe we can swim, maybe we can't. But I do know this, our Father can and he is there to catch us. So we jump in the deep end and we hold on to our faith like a toddler holding on to her dad in the deep end of the pool. I'm going to invite the the band and choir back up and we're going to keep singing this morning. I'm actually going to sing my new favorite song called Christ is Lower Still, which reminds us of just how far Jesus was willing to go to rescue us. Later in this 
service, we'll, we'll light our last Advent candle. But as I close, I just want to share the heart of this pastor from the book of Hebrews. Because this entire 13-chapter book is one big prayer for this people and for us. And this Christmas, and even headed into 2024, this is always my prayer for you and for all of us. Together, let's hold on to our faith. I know that seems like an overly simplistic thing to understand here, but it's a really hard thing to do in real life. It's not easy. Together, let's hold on. Because of Christmas, we now know how amazing God's love is for us. We know how far he will go to show us his love. And step by step, together with each other, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, let's keep on running. Sometimes it will feel like we're walking. Sometimes it feels like we're limping along. Somebody else has to hold us up. Sometimes it's going to feel like we're crawling. And I actually watched a video this week of a, a kid who is finishing his cross-country race and his legs cramped up so bad that about 10 feet in front of the finish line, he just stopped and rolled across. And it was hilarious, but it also feels like that's what faith is like sometimes. It's the only thing I can do to keep moving forward, but I'm going to keep moving forward. Let's let, let's let that be us. Not us as individuals, but us as a community, as a family. Let's keep going forward. It's worth it. There are saints who have come and gone before us that are at the finish line cheering for us. And more importantly, Jesus is there saying, come on, it's worth it. You cross that finish line and all of, all of that struggle and pain and tears go away. It's worth it. Don't quit. And so now I want to leave you with the prayer from Hebrews that the pastor of Hebrews prayed over their congregation, and, and I pray over this now. And uh, there's going to be another benediction later, but it's a posture of receiving. If you wouldn't mind, place your hands out like this. This is the prayer that we all need now and, and as this race continues. I pray that the God of peace will give you every good thing you need. Sorry, let me put it up on the screen. There we go. We start over. I pray that the God of peace will give you every good thing you need so that you can do what he wants. God is the one who raised from death our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. God raised him because of the blood of his death. His blood began the agreement that God made with his people, and this agreement is eternal. I pray that God, through Christ, will do in us what pleases him. And to Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen. So as we sing and we continue to celebrate Christmas, we look back to what it means that Jesus came that first Christmas to a dirty manger, to a group of common people, to a life of, of, of hard labor for low wages, to a life of, of trying to teach people what God is like and those people don't quite get it all the time, to, to healing to getting in the dirt literally to heal people. To eventually being arrested and falsely accused and abandoned. To eventually being nailed to a cross to die in my place for my sins. And then raised again from the dead so that we can have life. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. And he is worthy of all of our praise and our songs 
and, and, and we do this together. And I love that we're here this morning celebrating this together. It's not just about me and God, it's about us and God. We can keep going. We can do this together. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's worship together.